Hi, I'm Jamison Shea. I'm a health and safety consultant for Owl Tree Productions, and you're listening to the Go Creative Show. Hey, everyone. My name is Ben Consoli. I'm a director and owner of BC Media Productions, and this is the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers. So today we're talking to Jamison Shea from Owl Tree Productions. He is a health and safety consultant, and our topic is all about COVID-19, how it affects everything from major Hollywood films all the way down to small productions, um, what people are seeing now on sets, how to stay COVID compliant, and how to get back to work. So I think, you know, of all the Go Creative shows that we've had, you know, hundreds of them now over the years, this is one of the most important and I'm so happy that we're having this this, this discussion. And uh, I hope it continues on past the episode. If you have questions for me, for Jameson, please reach out because um, he is the reason that my production company was able to start um, so early in the COVID pandemic, start back up again. So uh, it, it, he, he's just a wealth of knowledge and I cannot wait to share this interview with all of you. So a couple of things before we get started, I want to encourage you to follow us on social media. We've got YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, and also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Search Go Creative Show anywhere and you will find us and sub subscribe to us. Um, I want to thank our sponsors, MZ Education for Creatives and Post Lab Stress-Free Collaboration in Final Cut Pro and Premiere. And we'll be talking about both of those guys in uh, later in the show when we do our when we do our little ads. But for now, let's dive right in because there's so much to talk about with Jamison Shea from Owl Tree Productions talking about COVID compliance, health and safety, and everything you need to know to get back to work. So I'm here with Jamison Shea from Owl Tree Productions. He is a health and safety consultant, and we're talking today about COVID compliance how big major films are getting back into business, all the way down to small local productions and how you can get back on set. Jameson, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So the whole world has changed in yeah, uh, the past seven months. Um, and, and like I said in the intro, I want to talk about how people are getting back to work. I mean, obviously we know that productions are back in business, shows are back on, people are working again, but I don't think people understand what the restrictions are and what the process is now um, on those sets. So I, I, I want to begin there and I want to start talking to you about basically your role as a COVID compliance officer, health and safety consultant, and what you're actually doing on these sets. To answer your first question or the, the first part of that about, you know, people not knowing what's going on, mm. uh, that's actually been my experience going through this in the last six months is that in the beginning, truly no one had any idea what was going on as far as getting us back to work and how to do it safely. Um, and everyone was kind of flying by the seat of their pants, trying to uh, plug in CDC um, and, you know, local Department of Health guidance to whatever production they were trying to bring back to work. Um, over time, you know, the industry came out with a couple of more solid pieces of guidance. The white paper came out um, and the uh, the safe way forward from the unions and guilds and that sort of thing. And that's kind of created the framework for us to to actually plug in uh, all of the the pieces to to get it to work. So my part of it, uh, what I'm doing is it, it varies from I've done very 
tiny commercials to, uh, you know, very big budget feature films, uh, which I'm involved in right now. And it's, it's all of the same guidance uh, that can be plugged in no matter how big or small the production. It's kind of the beauty of it. Uh, the tough part is getting full buy-in from everyone that's involved. And you're working with uh, cast and crew that have been doing this for a very, very long time uh, in one way. And to be able to or to have to come in and change the way that everyone does basically everything, uh, the learning curves, it's pretty steep. So you're getting resistance occasionally? Not so far. Um, once we're on set, in my experience, every everyone's been playing by the rules. Everyone's been great. Everyone's been more than gracious um, and, you know, just happy to be getting back to work. I, and I wouldn't go so far as to call it resistance, but in the initial stages of pre-production, um, there's always this struggle between um, spending and trying to do the right thing health-wise. And I often I'm the guy that's caught right in the middle. So mm. it's, it's been pretty interesting. So your role on set is what? Like, what What are you actually, and before, and we're gonna spend a lot of time on exactly like what the new restrictions are and what has changed. But just to get everybody up to speed to what your role is, because I think a lot of people have never worked on sets with any sort of health and safety consultant presence at all. I mean, I know I never did until sure. we worked together on that job with Jim Buckley, um, who's a great director here in, in Boston. Um, so I didn't know what it was like. So what is your role on set? So my role on set is to take uh, the industry guidance and the CDC guidance and the local jurisdiction guidance uh, as far as COVID compliance and COVID safety and try and plug the production's needs into that, um, starting from the earliest stages of pre-production, going through the whole process um, and trying to really, truly just trying to figure out how to keep everyone safe and how to prevent their you know, some sort of uh, outbreak among the masses. You know, we, some of the projects that I work on have a 20-person crew. Some of them have a 400-person crew. And it it goes without saying that, you know, all of these people are working within close proximity to each other. And the, the fear um, of there being some sort of, um, you know, outbreak is, is real. Um, so, you know, my job on set truly is to take all of that guidance educate everyone on set, first of all, and do all that I can to, um, you know, get people to buy in to uh, the, the safety on the set. So when the first time I had any experience with a health and safety consultant on set was just a couple months ago, and that's where I met you. And I went into the process before I spoke to you, I went into the process thinking this is going to be an incredible hindrance. The shoot is going to take longer than it should. We won't be able to have as many people as we need. I was, I mean, I, obviously, you know, you have to keep your sets safe. And of course, we're going to do that. But I went into it thinking this was going to be a huge problem. And what I found was that it really wasn't a problem at all because you as health and safety consultant on set kind of took the responsibility of all that. I, I no longer, I was a producer on that job, but I didn't have to think about it. Like the shoots before that I did during COVID without somebody like you on set, I had to worry about it. And when you were on set, I didn't have to worry at all. So it was it was so much more freeing 
than I thought it was going to be. You know, the more work we do in pre-production, the more work we do in prepping for each individual shot, each individual scene, um, the more people uh, that are in the particular departments, whether it's a director, a DP, grip, electric, whatever, the more prepared they are and the more they're able to just do their job without thinking about it. If everyone in their own respective department, all they have to worry about is wearing a mask and washing their hands. That's a win from my perspective. It means I've done my job because they're able to do their job. Yeah, and it became very clear that you are on our side. You weren't this presence on set that, you know, was, you know, like a, like a principal watching over you. It, it really didn't <laughs> feel that way. And I bring this up because, I mean, certainly people that are working on high-end projects listening to this know what the experience is like, but I didn't. And I think a lot of our audience wouldn't know and wouldn't even think to hire somebody on their sets. And, you know, I'm here to say that it is, it's a relatively inexpensive insurance plan for yourself to have a health and safety consultant on set, especially now during COVID. But I kind of feel like it would be valuable beyond because there was so much more that you guys did. Yeah, and I, I feel like, uh, you know, in knowing the film industry and knowing production as a whole, um, there's such a focus on safety at all times anyway. Uh, prior to COVID, yeah. you know, the safety rules and regulations involved, uh, you know, are, are probably more over the top in the production world than they are in, in most other industries. So I feel like some of the, the things that we're developing now uh, will probably, they're, they're probably here to stay, you know, maybe not the really strict, um, you know, distancing guidelines or, or things like that. Maybe that'll, will, you know, trickle away at some point, but like, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that a lot of this is, is here to stay. There's always, you know, just because COVID goes away someday doesn't mean there isn't something else in the pipeline. Doesn't mean there isn't the common cold or the flu. And, uh, you know, even those, um, you know, can, can wipe out a, a crew member or two for an extended period of time. Yeah. I mean, I, some of the measures I think would be nice to stay in place, but my God, working with a mask on it's and awful. a shield on, oh, it's no question. <laughs> I am looking forward to those not necessary anymore. Yeah. That, that's going to be a good day. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I want to, I, I want to talk about the COVID guidelines now um, that are going on. And of course we're recording this on October 21st, 2020, things change all the time. So, you know, as you guys are watching this and listening to this, you know, things may change and things may be different in your area, but I want to talk about the COVID guidelines as they are now in two ways, uh, for major motion pictures, which you have a lot of experience with, and then also smaller budget, you know, regional national commercials like you did, you know, with me. Um, and just talk to us about the guidelines as they are now. Can you walk us through the guidelines for maybe start with, let's start with the smaller productions, crews of okay. 20 and below, something like that. So the, you know, everything comes down to no matter what the size of the production is, big, small, or somewhere in the middle, um, all of the same um, principles are in place. Uh, one is testing. Two is, uh, you know, the guidance as far as mask wearing, social distancing, and hand washing. All of these things um, apply to every production and apply to everyone on set and apply to every department. So for a small production, like you're asking, um, you know, whether it be a small commercial or a small independent feature or whatever, um, the first thing that we're looking for is 
um, you know, before anyone even reports to set whether or not they've been sick or have been exposed to someone that's been sick and being able to prove, um, you know, by way of a negative test result that you're healthy enough to go to work. So those are the things that we're looking for first. And um, depending on what your budget is, um, there are some places that uh, are providing all of the testing for their cast and crew. And there are smaller productions that require that you just report to work with a negative test result that maybe you've paid for on your own or you know maybe your insurance has picked up. So that's the first thing is making sure that everybody is healthy enough to come to set to begin with. And then once you get to set, uh, there's, there's a whole, well, let me, let me stop of, you for just one second, yeah. because we didn't have to do test result. Like we didn't have to bring negative COVID test on our production. Is that Correct. a new rule now? Or is that something that the production companies are deciding? So, uh, none of, I'm going to say that none of them are rules. It's all guidance. Okay. So it's all recommendations. So the recommendation is, um, to be able to prove to the producers that, everyone that's coming to set is healthy enough to be on set. Um, and it can be done in a number of ways. For your production, uh, you guys had, had decided that it was okay uh, to go with just the questionnaire, uh, people taking their own temperature at home and then getting their temperature reevaluated once they came to set and answering the questions of, have they exhibited any signs and symptoms? Have they had any exposure to anyone that's had signs and symptoms? Uh, and that sort of thing. So, uh, and there's a number of reasons for the differences. Um, bigger productions have bigger budgets and they have larger liability. Mm -hmm. um, more crew members equals more liability. So um, really the bigger productions are going to go more over the top on safety where the smaller ones can probably get away with, um, you know, just having people answer those specific questions and, uh, you know, talk about whether or not they've exhibited any signs of, or symptoms or been exposed to anyone that has. Now, that questionnaire you're talking about, is this a liability release? It is not. So the questionnaire uh, simply is to demonstrate to the production uh, that you are not sick and have not been around anyone that's sick. So anything uh, related to legal matters will be something that's drawn up by, you know, attorneys completely separate of. So any health and safety questionnaire uh, that anyone's filling out, regardless of the wording, uh, may not be, um, you know, may not may not hold up in court if it comes to, to liability and litigation. What I've been hearing, because I, I looked into this quite a bit when we, you know, in April, May, June even, <clears throat> when we had opportunities to shoot and we were thinking, okay, how do we protect ourselves? And I never really thought about liability releases before. Um, we really never did it before. And we opted not to through COVID because, you know, just talking to peers around the Boston area, um, having liability releases in your, you know, forms uh, for something like COVID is really frowned upon. And it's something that we sort of learned along the way that, it, it really isn't, it's not good practice. Now, and it's sure not only that it's frowned upon, but it's, it's uncharted territory. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my guidance comes more from doctors uh, than it comes from lawyers. So 
I'm always, my biggest concern is health and safety, not liability. Yeah. So any paperwork that I put forward or questionnaires that are, that are arriving on set for people to fill out will air more on health and safety of cast and crew rather than uh, liability concerns for the production. My best advice to the productions is if you want uh, liabilities and waivers and releases and that sort of thing, get a legal team involved and have them consult with us and we'll work together. But we we will never, ever offer any sort of legal advice uh, as far as liability is concerned. And it's not suggested to do it. So for those of you guys that are listening, it's just and you're thinking, oh, all we have to do is put, you know, a liability waiver in a contract. It may not really be that effective. And also it might just kind of turn people off. So definitely talk to your lawyers for sure. I am by no means an authority on anything legal. Um, really anything at all when you think about it. <laughs> so, but yeah, just don't just think you can copy and paste a sentence from something you see online, throw it into your paperwork and you're in the clear. It's probably not the case. And yeah, along those lines, w- where can people go to find paperwork like this? Like th- that questionnaire that you're talking about. I mean, are there are there places online where people can like go and find these forms? So- in my experience, there is not, uh, and there, they certainly will uh, be more and more prevalent online the further into this we get. Mm-hmm. We're simply pulling everything that we do from the CDC uh, and from the industry guidance. Everything comes from those two sources because there's there's a million different references online of everybody doing things their own way. It's the Wild West right now. Everybody thinks they have the best idea of how to do this. From our point of view, the best way to do this is to follow the guidance, the real guidance from the CDC and from the industry experts who have put this framework together uh, by using doctors and lawyers and industry experts specific to production. So my best advice would be if you're going to look up anything online, look up the white paper and look up the safe way forward and follow the CDC and do your best to marry the two. That's that's the best and safest way for for everyone uh, to continue doing this. So we reference now a couple times the white paper and the safe way forward, which are the documents that we're kind of using as our benchmark as we move forward with these guidelines. But where can people find these? What are they actually called? And I'll put a link to it in the show notes too, so you guys can go to gocreativeshow.com and find them easy. But just for the people listening, what are these things called? And uh, while, you know, while I'm on my laptop here, obviously, I'm going to read them specifically because the names are so long and cumbersome that I don't want to get them wrong. So the Safe Way Forward is a joint report of the DGA, SAG-AFTRA, IATSE, and Teamsters Committees for COVID-19 Safety Guidelines. So (laughs) the reason that we're just referring to it as the Safe Way Forward is it's a a little less wordy. Uh, So people, honestly, if if you Google search... IATSE safe way forward, you will find it immediately. And the same with the white paper. The name of the white paper is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers Industry-Wide Labor Management Safety Committee Task Force. Um, So... Also a mouthful. So rolls off the tongue, and we'll put cool. we'll put links to it in the show notes. To yeah, make it please easy do because honestly, those alone with the CDC guidance uh, are are what's helping everybody the most here. Uh, you know, do this all safely. So on our set, when we were working on the um, a co- commercial with um, director Jim Buckley, we arrived on set. 
we signed some paperwork that said that we, you know, weren't, didn't have any symptoms, haven't been around people with symptoms, yada, yada. And then we took our temperature, uh, which was the first of two times we took our temperature that day. And then once that was done, we were given a mask and kind of on we went. So I want to talk about kind of what happens once you're on set now. And we're still dealing with sort of the lower end, smaller productions. Um, but what happens now? You're on set, you're cleared to work. What happens next? Sure. And I can, I can say that from your production, just from the time that your production happened, what month was that? It wasn't that long ago, maybe it, a month ago. I feel like maybe six weeks ago. It, yeah, it wasn't so even that long six ago. weeks ago. And then we did a commercial together with Jim Buckley prior to that, a few months earlier, a month or two earlier. Yeah. And the guidance had changed so much just in those time frames and the um, you know, how we how we do things on set has changed uh a fair amount just since your commercial six weeks ago. Wow. So Walking you through what happens after you go through the screening process and arrive on set, um, for your production, it truly was just a health and safety supervisor or a COVID compliance officer making sure that there's proper CDC signage everywhere, uh, making sure that people are distanced appropriately, whether it's during physical production or, you know, while they're at craft service or while they're at uh, catering or, you know, while they're staging their equipment or props or whatever. Um, and then that person is responsible for basically, for lack of better terms, policing everyone on set just to kind of, you know, poke them with a stick and say, Hey, you know, we're a little close here. If we have to be that close, maybe we have to ramp up the PPE in this area. And even for your commercial, we did that. We had director and DP that couldn't separate, um, because they, you know, they couldn't accomplish what they needed to accomplish without being in really close proximity to each other. So we issued full face masks at that point, and everybody was gracious enough to to play along. And, you know, obviously for something that size, it's a little simpler. It, it's great. It's really easy to accomplish. But for something where you've got a lot more moving parts and you've got a 300-person crew, uh, it's more than one health and safety person can handle. Um, you know, there are some productions right now that are that are hiring up to 40 or 50 COVID compliance people for one production. Wow. Uh, and it's just because everything's so spread out. There's construction here, there's production here, there's actual shooting here. Uh, and per so many people, um, there has to be one person, you know, the basically the scope of what one person can keep an eye on grows and grows and grows. And as it does, the team grows and grows and grows. Sure. So, so it's a matter of being there, making sure people are following the guidelines and kind of providing PPE. You had said mask a little earlier, but I know you meant shield because everyone had to have a mask anyway. So you just, when, when in close quarters, there was also a shield provided. The difference between the, the cloth face covering, which we now refer to as a mask, you know, everywhere. Um, and then there's the, the face shield, which is the, the rigid plastic shield that goes over in addition to the face mask. Yeah, because there's moments where you really can't be far away. I mean, people are hovering around a monitor or or a space is really small. It is what it is. So those things were provided to them. Let's take a quick break and talk about MZ. Now, MZ is education for creatives, and that's perfect for the Go Creative Show audience and for me and for the whole team behind the scenes here. We are the perfect people for MZ, and it's the perfect time for MZ. 
Now, MSET offers hundreds of hours of high-quality, video-based filmmaking education in all the topics that we want to know about. Directing, cinematography, post-production, visual storytelling, and more. And you can learn more about them at gocreativeshow.com forward slash M-Z-E-D. Now, they've got amazing courses. Here's the thing. Education is only as good as the educator, right? I mean, if you have a horrible teacher, it's very difficult to learn. But with MZ, they have the best of the best. I'm talking about educators that you know and love and that are actually working in the industry. Vincent LaFerre, Shane Hurlbut, Philip Bloom. In fact, one of their newer courses is, uh, is really interesting for editors. It's the art and technique of film editing with Tom Cross, A-C-E. Now, he was the editor of Whiplash and La La Land, like the award-winning, award-winning, Oscar award-winning editors, directors, filmmakers. I mean, th that's the high-level kind of, you know, educators that MZ has. And that's why I love those guys. Um, so you're going to learn really good stuff that you certainly need to know. It's going to make you better in your craft, in your career, and you're being taught by people that are in the industry and successful in the industry. That's what it's all about. Now, you can buy individual courses at mz.com, but I suggest you become an MZ Pro member because with that subscription, you get access to hundreds of hours of this stuff. Hundreds of hours. And that's exactly kind of the way that we want to work these days. I mean, everything is a subscription service. You know, an MZ Pro is kind of fitting into that model. And it's great. It's so nice to just go onto the site and be able to just click on anything that you see. It's fantastic. And I suggest you do the same thing. Now, how do you get there? Well, it's easy. GoCreativeShow.com forward slash MZ, M-Z-E-D. Go there, check it out, become an MZ Pro member, and you will uh, learn and become better at your craft. And um, I just so highly suggest it. The, the courses there are just excellent. And it's all there at GoCreativeShow.com forward slash MZ. How do you deal with talent that are clearly can't have masks on during the performance what do you do? So it's it's tough, um, and we're learning as we go. Um, I, as far as features are concerned, I haven't been. There hasn't been any uh, physical production that I've been involved in yet. It's all been pre-production for these two features that I'm working with now. Um, but the guidance says uh, when you can keep talent separated, keep them separated. When you can't, make sure that they're tested appropriately daily. In most cases. Um, and when the talent is on set and they're unprotected, meaning they don't have a mask on, all of the crew needs to be kept at a distance. Um, so really, people are working in pods. Uh, people are working in shifts to accomplish what they need to. So it's making the production day longer. It's a bit more cumbersome while we figure it out. Um, but, you know, the hallmark is if somebody's unprotected, keep them, keep everyone else away from them. Um, a lot of the guidance now in the bigger productions has things set up in zones. We've got basically zone A, or as you know, Netflix is using color-coded zones, zone A or the red zone will be where the actual talent will be, and a skeleton crew of maybe DP, ACs, that sort of thing, and a script supervisor. Um, beyond that, B or the yellow zone is where all of the other production is happening, staging of props, craft service, everything else. And then zone C or the green zone is everything outside of our production, uh, whether it's vendors bringing things in or hotels or uh, transportation, that sort of thing. Um, so really to keep the talent safe, 
they are staying protected as long as possible. And when they can't stay protected, uh, protecting them from everybody else. And that's that's kind of what we're trying to accomplish. I guess one of the unintended benefits of this new kind of COVID guidelines on set is you don't really have people on set anymore that don't need to be there. And I know that sounds kind of stupid. Like, why would they be there if they don't need to? You'd be surprised. <laughs> there's a lot of times. <laughs> I'm chuckling because it's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of times. And I don't work on big, giant projects, but I've had an opportunity to sort of be on sets for things. And there's a lot of times you just kind of hanging around, like you're, you know, waiting for something and you just sort of sit, you know, you're not on camera, you know, you're not in the way, but you're around. And um, that has been eliminated. And strangely enough, even having clients on set has sort of been eliminated in some way. Like the importance of having a remote feed of your monitor, of your camera, so that clients can chime in remotely and not physically be on set. That is awesome, first of all. Um, that's a great benefit. And you're finding a lot of people kind of saying, maybe I really don't need to be there. And um, I think that's that's something that I think will carry on past COVID. What are your it's, thoughts? I, I fully agree, and I hope that that's the case. Um, from a, a commercial production standpoint, um, obviously, uh, you know, it's all about the client, but uh, the client hanging around, hang, hang, excuse me, hanging around on set, um, you know, throughout the entire production day, um, it doesn't necessarily put people at ease. Uh, um, I think the stress level is higher when, when the client is, is hovering. Um, and it's, it's been the way of the world since, since commercials started. Um, but does it need to happen? Probably not. And, uh, can we go remote? I certainly hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's that's like a lot of times, especially when you work with agencies, too, is it's like it's fun to be on set, you know, and a lot of people want to be there. So you have a lot of assistance and uh, a lot of people like on the creative team that don't really need to be there, writers, stuff like that. And not to say that writers never need to be on set, but a lot of times they they don't on certain things and they can, you know, their voice can be heard and their expertise can be kind of used remotely. And I think that that has become a really good benefit. Uh, although I know it is fun to be on set. And when you work in an office all the time, you want to do something different. <laughs> right. But, you know, I think it's a combination of clients not wanting to because they don't want to be around a million people um, and not having to anymore. And I think that's- Yeah, this is, it's definitely forcing everyone involved to take a closer look at how we do everything. Uh, and if there is a better, a safer, a more efficient way to do everything. And I- I can't imagine if there wasn't a pandemic uh, that we wouldn't just be doing things like the way that we're doing them forever because it's the way we've always done it. And, you know, I work in a couple of different industries where we do things because it's the way we've always done it. And it just because it's the way we've always done it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best way. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now, I know we've been kind of talking about this in the framework of a smaller production, 20 people or less. Um, but are there other things that you're seeing in the large, you know, Hollywood level type of production that, you know, people may not be aware of? Yeah. So the first thing that stood out to me when I started bidding on, on jobs for bigger productions is, you know, everyone's armed with the same set of guidance. Everyone can access this white paper and the safe way forward and the CDC guidelines. Um, 
But it seems to me, in my own personal opinion, that what is happening is the legal teams um, in the larger uh, networks and studios and that sort of thing are taking all of this and and really trying to adapt it. Um, and I don't want to say that the that the focus comes off of safety um, because the focus is always on safety. But it seems like from their point of view, they're very, very concerned with liability, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. Uh, there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot of money being spent. So what I found is in bidding for a job with Network A or Studio B, um, what they're looking for in a bid might be drastically different from the next guy. Um, whether it's somebody saying we need a team of uh, nurses or medical doctors to someone saying we don't need that at all. We just need one expert and a team of uh, people to work under that person's guidance. And it's crazy because the spectrum is so wide of how these networks and studios are working to accomplish this. And I don't think that we're going to know until you know months, years down the road which way works best. Yeah. So. It's, it's interesting in the way that everyone's just doing their best with what they've got. And obviously, some, some productions have more resources at their disposal than others. So it's interesting you know, to say that it's the Wild West. It's totally true. Everyone is doing it um, their own way in the best way that they can uh, with the guidance they have and, and the budget they have. Are you seeing productions move to specific areas in the country, in the world, um, for COVID reasons? I have not yet seen that. So I'm, I'm specifically in New England. And right now, the cases in New England are, are going in a direction, by cases, I mean COVID cases, positive test results. They're going in a direction we don't want them to go. Um, and, you know, it's the, the, the way that this infection works is it, it ebbs and flows. It grows in one region and dips off in another region. But it's not to say that it's not going to come back. Massachusetts specifically had really low infection rates, uh, you know, as, you know, probably two months ago. And now we're, now we're back on the rise. But I don't see production being affected at all. There's still major productions happening here. And truly, I think that, you know, being a medical professional myself, the amount of guidance and the amount of restrictions on these productions are so severe in a good way that the we have to be limiting the spread overall because we're being so safe. So it's almost like the bubbles that they've created for these productions, it doesn't matter what's going on really in the outside world outside of that bubble because we're so isolated and so protected. It's kind of a great thing to see happen. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, you can see in sports the two different approaches where basketball did the bubble and, you know, football, baseball, everybody else didn't. And you see there's a lot of like kind of stopping and starting in other sports, whereas in basketball, they were able to just move forward um, because they didn't have to worry about that. And I'm thinking that I'm seeing bigger productions that are kind of in this bubble or, you know, as close to a bubble as you can be seem to be the ones that are able to continue on. Are you seeing yeah, the you're same? absolutely correct. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there have been a couple of productions in the last couple of months that have shut down completely. These are, you know, 
multi-million dollar productions that have had to shut down completely because of either talent being infected or key players being infected. And the tough part about all of it is, no matter what safeguards you take on set, if everyone, cast and crew, are are going back home and leaving the bubble uh, when you wrap for the night, then then what... <laughs> What difference does it make? You know what I mean? It's real. It's very frustrating. So it really, truly is evolving, and it's a learning curve. And you know, everyone's just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. But truly, the more you can keep people isolated and keep testing people, that really is the best. It's the best method of keeping everyone safe. I was talking to somebody, and I just I don't remember exactly who it was. And it's killing me. So maybe a listener will remember, but I was talking to somebody on the show a month or so ago and they were talking about a shoot that is up in Canada and the cast and crew had to quarantine in their hotel for two weeks before even going to set for the first day. And they like really created a bubble. That was the first and only time I heard of that happening. Maybe it's happening a lot and I just haven't heard, but are you seeing that kind of really strict quarantining and creating a full bubble around production. Yeah, so I can say um, I'm personally involved in uh, a couple of productions right now that are, you know, there's there's talent and there's cast and crew coming in from the other coast. And um, one of the productions that I'm working on isn't, it's not a huge production. Um, it's a fairly relatively small budget. And the same thing is happening. They're flying them in two weeks prior to principal photography starting so that they can have more control over it and mm-hmm. testing them periodically throughout. So uh, it's not just something that's happening on, you know, blockbusters. It's something that's happening down to, uh, you know, ultra low budget indies too. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's just what I was talking about. Everybody's just doing their best to try and to try and make it work and keep everybody safe. Let's take a quick break and talk about collaborative editing in Final Cut Pro and Premiere. Now, anybody that edits, you know that collaborating when you edit is a little tough sometimes, especially if you're doing things virtually. Now, it was it was one thing when I had my editor here over my shoulder and I could very easily watch something and just make a comment. Times are different now, right? Everybody's virtual. So you're going to be editing with people, you know, anywhere in the world and you need to be able to collaborate with them seamlessly. And until PostLab came around, you weren't really able to do that. But thankfully, PostLab is here, and it's going to change the way that you edit for the better in a couple of different ways. First of all, PostLab gives you incredible access. Besides always saving your documents locally, it syncs all the changes to your whole team wherever they are, so you're no longer zipping and emailing documents back and forth. Those days are over. And also, the days of broken files may be done as well, because As you know, two or more people working on the same file at the same time is an accident waiting to happen. But what PostLab does is it locks it. When somebody's working on a library, it locks it from the other team members. And it also shows you who's doing what so you can keep track of everything. And lastly, it's something they call Time Machine 2.0. Now, with PostLab, you can browse the history of each library, jump back and forth between versions, and find the particular edit you're looking for within a minute and open it exactly how you left it, down to the blinking playhead. Now, if that's not enough, PostLab also just introduced PostLab Drive, which is shared storage in the cloud, and it's the only cloud that lets you play back media on your timeline without first having to download everything. This is 
a game changer. So if you do not know or haven't, you're not familiar with PostLab, now's the time to dive right in. Because with, you know, by being a Go Creative Show listener, you get three free months of PostLab by going to gocreativeshow.com forward slash PostLab. So head over there, check it out, get your three free months and learn more about this PostLab drive, which truly is changing everything. Um, and it's all there at gocreativeshow.com forward slash PostLab. Head over there, get your free three months. Check it out for yourself. It's going to change the way you edit for the better. Gocreativeshow.com forward slash PostLab. Now, were you always in this field? <laughs> so this is, that's a loaded question. Well, not, co uh, not COVID, obviously, <laughs> but in health, you know, health and safety on set and consulting and stuff like that. So my background is is all over the map. Uh, I worked in the music industry for for ten years, uh, and uh, specifically in the touring uh, industry. And in between tours, there's a lot of downtime. So uh, I basically started as a PA in New York City, PAing for music videos and commercials and that sort of thing. And that led to an office job with a production company, uh, and then. You know, fast forward to a couple of years later and I'm producing, you know, horrible TV shows for, uh, you know, one of the music networks that doesn't need to be named. And uh, <laughs> that was one of my prouder moments, but it is what it is. Um, and then um, as I got a little bit older and got a little bit more tired and weary of the freelance world, I, you know, decided to join the family business, which is being a firefighter and a paramedic. Um, and I've been doing that for about 10 years and with all of the, uh, production that's happening in Massachusetts, I figured just to keep one toe in the industry, I would start working as a union set medic. So, uh, really got my education in major feature films through the world of being a set medic. And then that led to me being a technical advisor on a few scripted series, which led me to start my own company. And then COVID happened and here we are. Wow. That, yeah. it's, that's such a crazy path, but you're still kind of in, you're in creative. I mean, you're, you're in, you know, still it's a entertainment field. Absolutely. Yep. And I'm more, I'm happier in this role now than I ever was doing uh set medic work as a set medic work. You're the, you know, you're just the monkey that's handing out band-aids and, and aspirin. And it is what it is. It's great to be in that environment, but you really truly have absolutely zero hand in the production. Yeah. So now um, it's a it's a relief and it's really exciting to get back into a world where I'm having regular conversations with producers and executive producers about how to, uh, you know, move these productions forward. It's and, uh, you know, it's it's horrible that it took a pandemic <laughs> for me to to have that much of a hand in production again. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not complaining. I'm very happy to be doing it. Your production company is called Owl Tree Productions. If you guys want to check them out, OwlTreeProductions.com. Um, I want to talk about the music industry for just a couple of minutes because you were in it for a while, like you had mentioned. Um, how How is that industry coping with COVID-19? I mean, it's, I know people are still releasing albums, but anybody that's in or even around the industry slightly knows that the money's in the touring. Yeah, it's terrible. So, um, you know, probably 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago now, uh, the record industry completely shifted, um, you know, when people stopped buying physical product uh, and, you know, it was more about the digital downloads and that sort of thing. 
And the record deals became uh, less and less in favor of the artist and more and more in favor of uh, the the record companies with 360 deals and this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so artists really had to figure out how to make money otherwise. And like you just said, it's all about the touring. It's all about the merchandise. It's all about, um, you know, licensing and, and that sort of thing. So with the touring portion um, absolutely disappearing, it's been extremely hard for artists. And I can only speak for the artists that I know personally that are really struggling right now. And they're doing their best to stay busy and become creative and maybe come up with more material, but they miss the human interaction of the fans. Um, They certainly miss the paycheck. Um, And, you know, these are family guys. They're not, you know, we're, we're getting to an age where none of us are young whippersnappers anymore. Like, um, so it's tough. Uh, close friends of mine, uh, played their one show of 2020, uh, last weekend, uh, they were going to do two shows and one of them got rained out. So they did their one show of the year. And like, in a way it's exciting that they were able to do it. And on the other hand, it's so depressing. This is, it's so sad that these, these guys can't go out and, and do what they need to do to provide for their families and keep themselves sane. How are people performing? So, um, I haven't actually haven't heard of too many concerts. Uh, I've heard of a couple, uh, like country shows that have been doing like drive-in style. I don't know how that's working. Um, I've had, you know, basically haven't been paying attention to that too much, but I know that, uh, friends of mine just played an outdoor, um, it basically was a farm in Connecticut, uh, and it was outside and everyone was separated on a lawn into their own little pods and they were able to, um, sit together based on, you know, whether you live in a household with someone and that's yeah. it. And, you know, the pictures that I saw, you look at the stage and it looks like a regular, a regular production. You look at the audience and it looks like a very poorly attended Dave Matthews concert with everybody up on the lawn, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's wild. And I, I, I don't doubt that they're going to have to figure out a few more things going forward of, you know, once the weather gets better in, in the cooler climates, how are we going to tackle this? You're seeing some shows have live audiences again. I mean, Bill Maher is doing it. You're seeing on a couple of different talk shows. Do you think that that might be where concerts go, where people just come in, wear masks, deal with it? Like what small, you know, smaller capacities. I mean, what are you, what are you thinking? It's hard to say what, what the uh, live concert industry is going to do. But I will say that, um, you know, following the same guiding principles as we're using for film, if you can control, um, you know, how many people are coming in and going out and uh, whether or not they're healthy or not healthy, um, it's certainly a lot safer for everyone. And if they can apply the same principles that we have, I don't know that anything in the music industry uh, as specific as the safe way forward in the white paper exists. I just don't know. And I'm not saying it doesn't. It, it may very well. I'm out of the loop, certainly. Sure. Um, but I just don't know if something like that actually exists. And if it does, uh, that's great. Then maybe we can figure out a way to actually get people in the same room again. So in our last couple of minutes, I want to talk about your experience as a tour manager. Um, because I miss going to concerts. Like, I, I just want to end with a fun story of some crazy experience you had. I mean, you had a lot of experience tour managing. You worked with Brand New, Chromio, Howie Day, Manchester Orchestra, and you've 
were part of live performances too that were on like Conan O'Brien, Jay Leno, Regis and Kelly. So you've kind of seen the tour side of things with audiences and the production side of things when your bands were on TV. I got to hear like a crazy story, something, something crazy, something nuts, something that people would love to hear. Give me some juicy gossip. Tease a memoir that you may have one day. <laughs> like give us, give us something fun to kind of leave with. Well, I'm going to, I'll start by saying that any of the the really good juicy stories, I'm legally bound to not talk about. <laughs> I signed, I no signed one, a no lot of listening. non-disclosure we'll, we'll agreements in my day. We'll be quiet. I promise. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> um, no, I honestly, I, I really wish that I could, that I could get into specifics. It's one of those things where like you're put on the spot and want to, want to, I desperately want to tell you a juicy story, but like, honestly, there's, it's such an entire, like encyclopedia of crazy nonsense that happened in those 10 years that I truly can't single out what was the craziest experience. I really can't. Overall, what, you know, what was, when you look back on that experience for, you know, a decade with these, with these bands, what's your takeaway from that big whole experience? Man, I'm so fortunate, uh, to have had the opportunity to do it. And I worked with some artists that I absolutely adore as people. And I've worked with some artists that I maybe if we don't <laughs> cross paths ever again in our lives, that's okay. Um, and there are bands that I absolutely was in love with their music. And it was, it was truly a blessing. I would wake up most mornings specifically with the band brand new. Most mornings I would wake up on the tour bus, uh, and, and, you know, just be happy to be alive because I was experiencing this. It was just like four years of like hanging out with your best friends. It was insane. Um, and so many times on so many occasions, I would say out loud, um, you know, if I get hit by a bus and this all ends tomorrow, I can't be pissed about it. You know, it was, it truly was an amazing experience. Yeah. Wow. Are you a musician at all? Uh, I, <laughs> no, absolutely not. So, I was in uh, lots of really, really shitty bands in uh, high school and college uh, that, you know, was more for fun than than really like making a go at it. Uh, so but I would never, ever uh, call myself a musician. <laughs> <laughs> God, those experiences must have just been so much fun. I love Chromia. Yeah. That, 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 those shows must have been really fun. Oh, they're a blast. Absolutely. Yep. And two great guys. Awesome, awesome guys to work for. Um you know, just a, just a lot of fun. And those, the crew size too, it was, it was tiny. So it was like, it was myself, the two guys in the band and, you know, a couple of sound guys, a lighting guy and a merch guy. And that was it. That was the whole touring party. Jesus. So after coming off of a couple of rock tours, we were doing arenas and the, you know, the touring crew was up to 50 people going on to that was like, oh, this is, it's a piece of cake. Wow. Well, hopefully someday soon we can all be going back to shows. I mean, it's killing me that that we can't do it, that it just sucks. Likewise, it just sucks. yeah, it's awful, yep. It just sucks. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about all of this COVID stuff, how people can get back to work. If people have questions for you beyond what you answered in the show, is there a way they can get in touch with you? Yeah, they can They can email me, uh, jshea, which is j-s-h-e-a, at owltreeproductions.com. And can they use you? You know, if they have a shoot coming up and they want somebody to help out, Yep, absolutely. So I'm more than willing to consult uh, and I'm more than willing to help people, uh, you know, get things off the ground and, and offer any assistance that I can. 
Um, you know, it's a, it's a huge industry. The film industry, television industries employ 2 million people in the U.S. alone. Uh, and if I can do my little part to get that many people back to work, uh, it certainly makes me feel good. And I think it's a win for everybody. Yeah, it certainly is. Getting, I can tell you from my experience, having you and your team help us throughout the pre-production process, being there on set, it made me feel so much more confident about being back to work. It made me feel like people were safe. You know, we didn't have to worry about anything. And it was nice to just be back. And I, I feel like, you know, people that are doing certainly at Owl Tree Productions and other people around the country slash world that are doing this, you really are making it possible for people to get back to work. And we really appreciate it. That's for sure. Well, I appreciate the positive feedback, certainly. There it is, OwlTreeProductions.com. Check him out, Jameson Shea. You can email him at jshea, S-H-E-A, at OwlTreeProductions.com. Jameson, thank you so much for being on Go Creative Show. Ben, you're the man. Thank you so much. I want to thank Jameson Shea for coming on the Go Creative Show. Of course, you can find Jameson at OwlTreeProductions.com. And yes, he's based in New England, but he can help you anywhere you are. So if you have any unanswered questions, reach out to us, and we'll make sure we can make that connection so he can answer your questions. Um, of course, we also want to encourage you to follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And I also want to thank Matt Russell for mixing and mastering and making the show sound so good. He and his team over at GainStructure.com do an amazing job. They work on the show, of course, but they also do all of my mixing for Go uh, for uh, BC Media Productions, and they can certainly help you as well. And also our producer, Connor Crosby, for putting this whole thing together behind the scenes. You can find him at IgnitionVisuals.com. And of course, I want to thank our sponsors, Post Lab, Stress-Free Collaboration in Final Cut Pro and Premiere, and MZ Education for Creators. We love those guys. We thank them for their support, and we want you to support them as well. Well, that's it for us today, but we will see you next week on another episode of Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers.